all the way from gambling hub country, which is actually Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, the fabulous Intruders. What's happening? <clears throat> this is a very special podcast I'm doing tonight. Uh, I'm not going to lie. I had a pretty rough weekend so far. Um, in particular, trying to get this podcast together. Um, a couple couple weeks ago, somebody said, you, you know, you talk so highly of your mom and, you know, your exes as moms. You know, you should do a special Mother's Day tribute podcast, and uh, I really thought that was a dope idea. Um, I was I was raised by three women in particular: my mom, my grandmom, and my godmom, who's also my aunt, my my mother's sister. But in addition to them, there's two other special moms in my life: uh, the mother of my kids, both of them, uh, Mary Joy and Natalie Joanne. And uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about each of them. I'm going to start with uh, with Natalie. Um, you know, where to start? Um, I mean, basically, from the moment we met, Natalie, you know, you were the most beautiful woman I've ever seen in my life. You know, I think I fell in love with you our first conversation, you know. And... Regardless of all the shit that's happened the last couple of years, I just want you to know I'll always love you, you know. That's why I married you. That's why I gave you my last name, Basquet. It's the only thing my father left to me when he passed. And that's why I gave it to you. You know, through any time, any place, any universe, or marital status, I'll love you. And I'll never let you hit the ground. You know, I've always, you know, been impressed with your genius level intelligence. You know, because, I mean, your your beauty is, you know, obvious. I mean, you're, you're a goddess walking. You know, and, and when we met, even at 22, 
your mind was expansive. Our conversations were fire. You know, that's what I fell in love with. I fell in lust with the looks, the body, the demeanor, the walk, you know, the caliente. But I fell in love with our conversations and how we were, you know. And I, I know you have your thoughts on, you know, my personality, my cockiness, my arrogance. But it was my arrogance and my cockiness and what I, my suit of armor that allowed me to approach somebody as beautiful and as dynamic as you. And, you know, I, <laughs> I'm going to catch a lot of flack and a lot of heat when I say this, but I do believe you're my soulmate, you know, in particular because, you know, every time I see you, I smirk. And every time you see me, you smile. And my smirk is my way of showing somebody I'm pleased. And, you know, sometimes the sight of you pleases me. And I understand why, you know, you never come to the door when I pick up the boys or drop the boys off. You know, because uh, exemplified by last, well, yesterday, you know, at my niece's prom prom gathering, you know, we're drawn to each other. We have an energy, a, a rapture that's unimaginable. You know, people don't know how we operate but us. And I know you're going to deny, deny, deny because that's what helps you. And I understand that. I'm authentic and I don't deny me. But with that said, I understand why we have to move forward in separate ways. And, you know, I really just want you to know that I'll love you forever. And I thank you dearly for giving me two wonderful, beautiful baby boys, Carter and Christian, and strengthening Bosquet. They bring joy and happiness to my life. And we're going to work through whatever. I'm going to work through whatever. And right now, it's rough, but we're going to get through it. Next is uh, Mary Joy. The elegant, the graceful Mary Joy. 5'9", 120, the model. You know, everybody thought you were Brazilian or Dominican when we met. I took you around my homies and they were like, yo, where did you even meet this shorty at, dog? You know, you'll always have a special place in my heart. You have the distinction of taking care of the two Females that are closest to me in life. My mother and my daughter, Abria. And please know that my mother absolutely adored you. She spoke on it. But I also want you to know that I'm proud of what you and Javon, your new husband, congratulations. He's a gentleman. He's the Steve Young to my Joe Montana. 
And I know that if I ever left this earth, my kids would be in good hands. And you also have the distinction of giving me my namesake, Kyle Jr., Frankie. And I thank you dearly for both of them. And I'll always have love for you, Mary Joy. Now I'm going to move on to, I'm going to talk about the three-headed monster. My grandmother, my aunt, slash godmother, and my mom. Now, talking about my grandmother, Ellie, Eleanor. (laughs) I I started calling her Ellie, like in high school, as a joke. You know, I I pretty much was an asshole most of my life, and she should just laugh. She never even really corrected me. She, She knew me well. Our personalities meshed. I never really remember having much of a confrontation with my grandmother. She was my first caretaker. I remember as a little boy, a teeny boy, she always had to watch her stories during the day in the living room, so I had to go to her bedroom and watch I Dream of Jeannie and Gidget on a little 13-inch TV. And I would lay in her bed and I would just watch them. And then she would bring me like a tuna sandwich or soup. And I remember taking trips to Atlantic City with her boyfriend, Jita. <laughs> and Jita had, had two grandkids that were a little bit older than me. And we would make sandwiches before we go and pack them up. And I remember there would always be sand in the sandwiches. Like, I, I used to wonder as a little kid, like, we packed these up. We put them in, like, plastic wrap. How is this sand in the fucking turkey sandwich? Every time there was sand in the fucking turkey sandwiches. And I remember as a little boy taking trips, you volunteered. When I was in school later on, you volunteered at a daycare. And it was like the foster grandmother's program. And I think it was a program that allowed you to get out the house and, you know, help out with little kids and put a smile on your face. And you would take me along with you and I would, I would become friendly with the kids I remember taking the bus with you because you didn't drive. And the trolley sometimes, back when Philly had trolleys. And I remember every Thanksgiving you would cook by yourself the most glorious and grand Thanksgiving dinner. And I always thought to myself, damn, you got four daughters. (laughs) And you doing this by yourself. You were amazing. And I remember two quotes in particular that you always told me throughout my life. Whenever I faced failure, you would say to me, Kylie, because you call me Kylie, all you can do is try your best. That's all you could do. And that's all I ever do, Grandma. And even though you never made a lot of money, you made, you know, far less than what I make, you know, most people I know, and you made it the fuck happen. 
And I remember you, you always had A1 credit. And I remember when I graduated college, I want, my first thing I wanted to do was get a brand new car. So I devised a scheme that I knew you couldn't, I gave you an offer you couldn't refuse. I got my job at Blue Cross, which by the way is one of the best buildings in the fucking world to work in. I mean, it's like 80% women, 10%, you know, homosexual men, and then like 10% of us dudes running around chasing ass. And uh, I remember Craigers, my brother, he was working at the strip club and he was like, yo, you know, come through, get a second job. Because, you know, Craig always hustled. That's the one thing he always did. My mom always hustled. You know, I got hustle in me. So I said, all right, if I get two jobs and I'm basically doubling up on income, my grandma can't turn me down. You know, because I could basically pay this car note like five, six times over. And I remember I went to you and I was scared at death. I thought you were going to shoot me down because you protected your credit like it was the fucking, just the, the, the Ming Diamond or something. And you said yes. And I was shocked. And I remember it was a 2002 Acura CL Type S. And we got in it and we peeled the plastic off the steering wheel. I had never, I didn't even think cars came like wrapped up and shit. And we was peeling it off. And then we drove away. And then I took you to lunch. And uh, I really, really remember your laugh and how you would throw your hand, hands up and your head back when you laughed. And your smile, because my mom, all of us got to a gap tooth. We all inherited that. And I remember watching Jeopardy and Wheel of Fortune back to back every night after the nightly news. And when I was younger, you lived down the hall. My mom had an apartment down the hall from yours. And every day after school, I would run down the hall, Grandma, Grandma. And you'll be there to greet me. And I feel at peace because I know you lived a pretty decent life. And I just want you to know if you can hear me or listening, that I love you. I remember every single moment of my life, every event, small to big, you were there. From basketball games, football games, plays, graduations, of course, you were there. And When my mom died, I felt worse for you than for myself in that moment. Because a parent shouldn't lose a kid. And sometimes I looked in your face and the pain I saw was unbearable. I want you to know I miss your grandma.
Auntie, my god mom, my second mom, my rock, the prideful Leo. I never saw you get uneasy. I never saw anybody take you off your shit. You were one of the smartest women I knew. And I always thought, my auntie is so smart. And it must be because of the time she grew up and she's a secretary. You were smart enough to be a lawyer, but you worked for lawyers. And you'd always come home and say how stupid they were. And you're probably right. Being a lawyer myself, I really agree with you. But um, I just remember how meticulous you were about your appearance, about my appearance. If I came to your house and I had a small hole in my shirt, you immediately said, let's go. And you take me to Bamberger's. Many people listening to this don't even know what the fuck a Bamberger is. But if you do, it's kind of like a Bloomingdale's or like a Macy's. And you buy me a shirt, a couple shirts, shorts, and shoes. Because you didn't have a kid of your own. So I was like your kid. And you treated me like your kid. And you treated me like your kid so much, you took me to Disney World. And, you know, thinking back, I think it was a lot in part because I was the only one of my cousins that didn't really have my dad at that moment because he was in a situation. And that was my first plane trip. And I remember we went down there and we spent a week, just me and you, we went to Disney World, Epcot Center, Church Street Station, downtown Orlando. And it was the first time I was seven. It was the first time in my life I was staying up like 12. And I was dancing in the street. I remember. And I remember one time we missed our shuttle back to the hotel room. So they sent this guy in a Camaro <laughs> with a jerry curl. Because this was like the fucking mid-80s and shit. We was in Florida, of course. Niggas down there had jerry curls dumb long. And you told me. Ride in the front, you gonna ride in the back. <laughs> I remember you saying to me afterwards, like if he would act crazy, I had to choke him from the back seat. But I remember every Saturday I had to be at your house because my mom worked overtime, and you make me a BLT sandwich. That was my favorite: bacon, lettuce, and tomato, lightly toasted. And I remember you helped me with my spelling bees, my spelling tests, my math. You were a fucking genius. Every night I go down to your apartment with grandma and we go over my spelling words and my math tests every night. And you helped me get into Masterman Central College. You taught me hard work, discipline, consistency. But the most special thing you did was you were the grandmother for my kids. Because my mom, you know, wasn't around. You're the only grandmama Bria knows, Frank knows, 
And even though you passed when Carter was a baby, you met him. And the dopest part was when, you know, there was a lot of confusion during that time, you know, with, with family matters and stuff. I remember you took the mega bus from Philly to Maryland because Carter was being born. And you were only only person to do that. And I remember you took the train. You didn't even know D.C. like that. You took the red line all the way out to Rockville because Abria got sick and I couldn't leave her side. So Carter was in one end of the hospital and Abria was sick in the other. And you were always there. You know, when, when I moved to Maryland with Mary, you came down. You were with the kids. You know, when, when that ended and a year or so later, I was with Natalie, you came down. Nobody else but you. You came down often. And I want you to know, Abria still wears a lot of your rings and jewelry and stuff. She misses you dearly. You always had my back, no matter what. Even when I was wrong, you had my back. When I was right, you had my back. You were a, a second mother to me. I never thought of you as a aunt. I thought of you as a mother. And the summer of 2013 was one of the worst summers of my life. And I remember we had a disagreement at that time. And I remember I said, yo, fuck this. This is my aunt. This is my mom, basically. And I, I went to your house. And I remember you, you came out. You were happy because you had one of the best you know, reports from your doctor with your blood pressure, like you were like in perfect health basically because you had, you know, some vitals had slipped and you were getting it together, losing weight, getting your vitals and you you were so happy and the look on your face, I said, I'm going to treat you to dinner. And then two days later, I get a call. I remember I was in the bedroom with Carter. And we were, I was watching TV. He was still a baby. He was, I was putting him to sleep. I think Natalie was at work. And they said he had been in a, in a car accident coming from visiting with Mary and Abria and Frank in Jersey. And my heart sank. And it was flashbacks of when I lost my mom. And again, I didn't know what to do. And it felt like my world was crumbling. The only person that has always been there at that time. Because I was 30-something at that time. 33 or whatever, 34. And I felt that it was just unfair because you just said one of the best doctor's reports. 
And I was going to take you to dinner the next night. And I missed that opportunity. And I I wish I'd have had one more chance to sit down with with you. And just talk. But I remember one saying you always told me every time I faced failure. Because you, grandma and my mom, were always in my corner. Coaching me. Cleaning my wounds. And sending me back out to fight. You used to say, Kyle, can't worry about that because as one door closes a bigger and better door opens and I swear to God until you were right because every time in my life that I lost a bigger and better thing has come and I, I in particular I remember this circumstance I was I wanted to get like active in college. And I have ran for like vice president of the Black Student Union. And I lost even though I had the hottest speech. My speech was fire. And I was a little upset. And every time I was upset in college, I would always drive home because I knew you guys were there. And you said to me that, you said, you know, as one door closes, a bigger and better door opens. And then a couple months later, people were like, yo, run for president of NAACP chapter at College Park. And I did. So I went from losing the vice presidency to running my own organization, my own budget, and everything like that. But, Auntie, I just want you to know that I think of you often, your words, your demeanor. When I got to knuckle up or get a stiff chin, I think about you and how you conducted yourself. And you're one of my heroes. And I love you and I miss you. But I'll never not let my kids know about you. I love you, Auntie. (sighs) Mommy. My first love, my confidant, my life coach, my best friend. My father was the architect. He set the plan and you put the shit together. Everything my dad ever told you about manhood or being a man 
who translated that shit and put it on me. From, you know, don't don't hit first, but if somebody hits you, you tie fire to their ass. I remember you used to say that often. Now, <laughs> I never did it. Because if it looked like somebody was about to hit me, I always made sure I got a jab in because I wasn't going to let nobody get the jump on me. But I remember you used to have a lot of sayings, actually. I call them Debraisms. You know, the one thing you used to tell me because I think you saw how negative or evil or, or asshole I could be and become and how blunt I was. So you would always tell me, Kyle, you catch more flies with honey than you do vinegar. And just be a nice guy. And I remember, I know you got this from Frank because this was a Frankism. You said, Kyle, you got to be nice to all the girls. Not just the pretty girls, be nice to all the girls. Because if you're nice to all the girls, all the girls will like you. Nobody can say you're a mean guy. And the dopest thing you've ever told me, and I, I use it to this day. A lot of my homies know I use it. I use it probably more than anything else anybody's ever told me. You used to tell me, you could show me better than you could tell me. And that's the dopest shit in the world because... People talk a lot of shit. And in my 40 years, I've been able to decipher between the talkers and the doers. And the people that, you know, either back their words up. And some people don't speak, they just do. You used to tell me all the time, education is the key. And it is. You know, without my education, I don't know where I would be. I mean, you put me in position to win, mom. You know, from private school to masterman to central to college even. I mean, that was you in my corner. And I understand the difference between people that have a dynamic mom in their corner and those that don't. Because frankly, mom, I don't think I had it within myself without you. You used to tell me all the time, nothing beats a failure but a try. And that's why I'm so persistent. I won't give up. I don't give up. I won't. I will never give up. I'll be 80 years old chasing my dreams if I have to be. If I'm lucky to live that long. I'm, I'm, I'm dogmatic I don't quit and I think it's a value you instilled in me that has helped me a lot <laughs> and one of the funniest things you used to always tell me is marry an ugly girl <laughs> well I ain't gonna follow that advice mama can't do it but I love you But I just remember when I was a boy, 
that you sacrificed everything for me, all your money, all your time. You worked overtime and that went to me to pay for private school, food, clothes, shelter, entertainment, toys, everything. When I was little, I know your clothes wasn't that good. And as I got older and you made more money, your clothes started to get a lot a lot better. And I remember one time I asked you, I said, Mom, you know, why are you sewing the clothes? It's just clothes. And I remember you telling me a story about when you were a little girl and you had a play and it was two days consecutive. And Grandma could only afford to buy you one dress because she was a single mother and back then that was very uncommon. And a lot of the other little girls had two dresses for the back-to-back occasion. And you got teased. And I remember for the first time I saw you tearing up. And I knew that that had hurt you bad. And I understood why you were so into clothes and your parents. And, And frankly, why Auntie was. Because, you know, the circumstances y'all grew up in. You know. Because I, I really wasn't into clothes like that. Probably because you and Frank were, and you always provided with auntie's help and everything. But I just remember you telling me that. I remember you telling me about when you first met my father at the bar that Aunt Lorraine worked at. And he was a pretty boy, and you didn't like pretty boys. You like like more like uh, I guess rugged dudes or something. I don't know. But I'm glad you stopped running. You, <laughs> you let the, you stop curving the pretty boy because uh, you know I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for that. And I remember you driving me all the way across town to drop me off at school in the morning. And we stop at Dunkin' Donuts sometimes. Or we stop at the diner. And you give me an egg and cheese sandwich. And then later on, I remember when you got the Chevy Chevette. <laughs> that little ass Chevy Chevette. We would ride around and sing Roy Rogers commercial songs. And one of the dopest moments I remember in my, my life was my first week at Masterman was the first time I had to catch public transportation. And I got on the wrong bus. And I called you from a payphone crying because I, I thought I was in New Jersey. <laughs> and you left work because I remember... You always used to say to me, if you get in trouble at school and I got to leave work, I'm going to beat your ass. And I remember being scared because I thought I was in New Jersey. And I was scared because you had to leave work, come get me, you go beat my ass. And you came up and you gave me a hug and a kiss. And you saved me. And I remember vividly (laughs) when I was little. Back in the 80s, you had a ring on every finger because that was like the shit back then. 
I guess. And if I talk slick, you just backhand the shit out of me. <laughs> and I remember getting a beating almost every day of my life till I was about 10. And you know what, Mom? I appreciate every bit of that. Because it built character and it made me the man I am. And I remember when you bought your first brand new car. It was a red Toyota Corolla with roll-up windows. I didn't even know there were power windows. And you were so proud of yourself because you bought a brand new car and not a used car. And I remember the look on your face and how you felt because of an accomplishment that you did, independent. And as I've gotten older, I've realized a lot of my peers, we all had independent mothers. But a lot of the people I went to college with and met later on in life, people that came from two-parent homes, their moms weren't as independent. And I think your independence and your ability to overcome adversity impressed upon me greatly. Your ability to persevere through life. Because I couldn't imagine being a single black mother in the 80s and 90s how hard it was to raise a, a male child, a black male child. And I remember the lessons you taught me, in particular when I first started driving. You know, because as a black mother, you had to give me those speeches interaction with the police, how to conduct myself. And you, I know you got that in part from Frank, from my father. But I remember those talks. How to handle and conduct myself in the street. And I remember it was your dream to buy a house. And how proud you were that by yourself you bought Linton Street. And you got a home. And one of the dopest things I remember about you, Mom, is you always co-sign my friends. And you let me know the people that looked a little, a little iffy, you know? Cosign Lashana, Mike, Christian, Sherry, O'Neill, Lee, Bill. But the wildest part is you co-signed one of my homies that you knew was into some wild shit, but he was a good kid. Because you said that every time you saw him at the supermarket, he was helping people. Every time you were passing at the corner store, he was opening doors. So you said, you know, you told me it don't matter what somebody do, it's how they treat you. And that's how you roll in life. Because everybody don't have the same opportunity as me. And my man, my man Awan didn't. And I thought that was one of the dopest things about you, mom. Is that you was able to look past people and, and see them for who they are. 
And I've tried to emulate that. Another dope thing. You you like my music, you know. In, in particular, Biggie, because you would talk about how witty he was. And you would let me play my music when we ride, ride around, whatever. My friend's moms wasn't doing that. You know, I remember you... You gave my friends access to our house because you said you didn't really want us in the streets like that. And you took in a couple of my homies when they, you know, they was having trouble at their house with their mom or whatever. And Wiley was always with us too. I remember sometimes we had to drop Wiley off at school on Mondays. I just remember the person you were, and I try to emulate it every day. And I remember the barbecues where you would have tons of food, tons of food. And everybody loved your spicy barbecue chicken. But with tons of food, I remember another lesson told me to appreciate because how you guys grew up, you know, you had to grandma had to ration food and as a kid that didn't sit well with you and I remember as a little kid you would just pile my plate up and you'd be like you better finish it all (laughs) you better sit there and finish that food or I'm gonna beat your ass (laughs) and that, you know Although it was over-calorization, <laughs> I learned to appreciate my circumstances. I really did appreciate you and everything you provided. And I remember when you kind of made it over the hump. I would say about high school, when you, you, know, you got promotions, you were, I guess, growing at at your job, right? And I remember you had a leather jacket in every color. Pink, yellow, red, black, turquoise. And you had clothes in every closet in the house, including the basement. And then you had a rack. You even had clothes in my closet. But one of the dope things are are that, you know, you always tried to kind of get to know my friends. And I know, I remember this one Thanksgiving. It was the night before Thanksgiving. And I actually had a football game Thanksgiving morning. And I was in my BM. It was me and my friends. And we had just dropped. Shana off because she had to be home earlier and we was riding around and we stopped at the Chinese store over in Mount Airy <laughs> and you was with your friends me and my homies we was tipsy and drunk I think you and your friends was tipsy and drunk and you was like hey baby um, be safe you know and remember you gotta get up early so you know you better be getting home and you just peace me 
And my homie was like, yo, dog, your mom know you was high drunk? I said, I don't know. She ain't speak on it. They was like, yo, your mom is shit. Because my mom would have rung me up. I said, my mom don't try to embarrass me. I mean, she might say something when I get home, but she not going to embarrass me. She know, I mean, she always told me she been there. She know what it's like to be my age, so, you know. And I remember how you were with people in general. And I remember you took in your friend, Miss Mary, because she was having some problems, drugs and all that stuff. And you just gave her the back room, which was basically your whole closet. You helped our Judy out, a couple other people. And when I when I went away to college, you know, because my dream was to go to Temple and buy a 929 Mazda and work. And you was like, nah, homeboy, that ain't going to work because you're going to wind up doing one year and then just trying to work. So you made me go away. You said you got to experience life. And that was one of the best things you ever did to me because I struggled and I persevered. Because there was times when me and O'Neal was down there eating two for 222 McChickens, splitting the McChicken. Hungry as fuck. But that shit built me as a man. And you forced your hand on that when you said, nah, dog, you're going to go away. You're going you're gonna to become a man. So although I was raised in Philly, I became a man in D.C., And I remember during college, you opened up your house. You said, anytime your friends want to come through, I don't care. And we come through for the, the Greek picnic. We come through just for a weekend to go to one of the clubs, do whatever. My homies would be like, oh, I've never been to Philly. I heard Philly, Philly, you know. I want to get a cheesesteak, you know, whatever. You always like, oh, let your friends come through. And I remember... My graduation, he was so proud of me. He was wearing all white. You look fucking heavenly. And I was, for the first time in my life, I felt like I finally made you proud. I don't have a lot of regrets in life. But what I do regret is that when I came home from college, you know, because during college, you know, you, uh, you you know, you met my girlfriend at the time, Nicole, and you really liked her. <laughs> I think y'all had a conversation about marriage, and I remember that scared the shit out of me. I'm like, yo, I'm 21. I remember you used to call her Big Butt Nicole. You not to her face, but to me. She was built. But I just remember uh, afterwards, after college, just partying and bullshit. Like I, you know, I lived in your house, but we didn't even really see each other like that, you know. Because my entire life, you always said Sunday. Is our day, and you know, 
Sunday mornings we sit and have breakfast. I remember when you bought that waffle maker and we was fucking up waffles until we got it right. I remember we sit at the kitchen table and just bust it up about whatever. And then, you know, you wasn't really domestic, so I don't even remember you cooking Sunday dinner, but <laughs> we always had the Sunday breakfast. And then when it was time for, you know, you didn't let me know you were sick for a long time. And I was mad. And I know you were reluctant for me to be a kidney donor, but I felt it was my duty. And I remember going to all the pre-screen and stuff. And you just, you know, being more afraid than me for me. You didn't want me to lay down on that table. But I had to, man. I had to. You gave me life. So I had to do that. And uh, when I got fucked up, I know it hurt you. But it didn't hurt me. Because I knew I did it for you. And I know you were upset that I couldn't walk for a while. But uh, I'm proud I did it. And out of most things that I did in my life, law school, being a father, I'm proud that I laid down for my mother. And I remember when they would wheel me into your room when you were recovering and I couldn't walk. And I would sing that Akon song, Locked up, they won't let me out. Because I just wanted to go home. Like I was like, yo, y'all ain't doing nothing to me. I'm just fucked up and y'all just feeding me pain meds. Y'all could do that shit at my house, my bed. And I remember those couple of weeks, those six weeks, Between surgery, because Abria was a baby, and I remember you bought her like a hundred and something dollar sweatshirt. It was like a pink and navy Minnie Mouse sweatshirt, and I was like, "What the fuck, mom?" I, ain't, you know, of course I didn't say that, but you was like, "I'm a grandma. You know, this is what I'm supposed to do." You, you know, you a dad now. Grandmoms do this. I remember, you know, because Mary, Mary was taking care of us, cooking like all day, it seemed like, feeding us meds. She held the fuck down. And me and you would just sit there talking like when I was little. And I think God gave me those six weeks to reconcile. To spend time with you. Because he knew he was going to take you. And the day you died, replays in my head over and over.
I remember Mike came to get me. Mike and Lashana came to get me to go to a barbecue. And I went out and I, I popped a bunch of perks and I was on my crutches. And it was the first time I had really like been out. It was summertime. I was like depressed because I couldn't walk. It was summer. And I had a good time. I saw some people's. I think it was her family reunion or something. And I got back. And Auntie and Grandma were sitting on the couch. And they said, it's not good. And the ambulance was on the way. And that second, the ambulance pulled up. And they put you in, and I said, I'm going too. And you told me you were cold. So we got the comfort off your bed. And I remember sitting in a hospital room for hours in the emergency room. And nobody was coming in. And then I remember you told me you were in pain and you were cold. And then you left me. I just, I just wish you would have met my boys, my junior, my twin, my baby, Kyle, Carter, and Christian. Cause you were partial to boys. I remember when you told me you were pregnant with me, you were hoping I was a boy. And you would have saw me in all three of them. But I always tell them about you and Frank. And I let them know that a part of you was in them. I love you, mommy.